So. I was just gonna say, I was like, oh my gosh, like, did I just like throw you under the bus? But no, you're a dietitian. I'm a dietitian, yeah, so. And I'm a nutritionist. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you, you are. Yeah. Um, after this, everyone listening will Yeah. Hey sister, welcome back to the Daily Mantra Podcast where we believe that mama knows best and through intentional conversations, connecting you with industry leaders and a mother load of tools and resources, you can feel more empowered to mother the way that feels truest to you. This episode is all about pregnancy nutrition. Stephanie, the pregnancy nutritionist on IG, who is a registered dietitian of 11 years, certified lactation educator, and mama of two girls, sits down with me to talk about the practical ways to look at your nutrition during this super important phase of motherhood. Pregnancy is the optimal time to start being intentional about your baby's nutrition. What you do now truly matters while your baby is growing. We talk through perfect protein pairings, prenatals, and Stephanie busts a ton of myths during this show. I love chatting with her. She is super normal and takes so much pressure off of mamas looking to optimize their pregnancy nutrition. It's not black and white, and it doesn't have to seem as scary as it is as social media makes it. I hope you love this episode, and with that said, let's dive into the show. Today, I have Stephanie, the pregnancy nutritionist on Instagram here to answer all of our questions about all things pregnancy nutrition. I feel like a lot of topics are floating around on social media right now about myths and do's and don'ts. It can be very overwhelming for mamas that are expecting. So I'm so excited to have you here, Stephanie, to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you got started specifically working with the pregnancy population and And then we're going to dive into a bunch of questions that were submitted from my community. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to chat with you. So um, I got started specifically working with pregnant women actually during my second pregnancy. When I became pregnant the first time, you know, as a dietitian, I'm really aware of when healthcare providers bring up the topic of nutrition. um, And it was really lacking in my own healthcare system when I was pregnant the first time, but being that it is my background, I felt confident that like I could get through my pregnancy feeling confident and feeling good and feeling pretty, um, you know, knowledgeable on what I needed to include in my diet and what was important. And then a bunch of my friends were also getting pregnant and asking me a bunch of questions because they got such, um, you know, a lack of education in right. their own <laughs> healthcare you know, experience. And so it kind of got me thinking like, wow, like I'm someone who has this knowledge, like all of, you know, majority of people don't. So how are they going to get this education if we're not seeing it, you know, from our, from our healthcare system? So that's sort of what sparked like this particular population. It was also like a very pertinent time in, in my life. So I was really, you know, passionate about like helping other people to really feel good and feel confident in their nutrition, given it's such a pivotal stage of your life. I mean, you're mm-hmm. setting up your future baby for their health success, you know, in their, in their life. And so, um, that's sort of what, what sparked this passion in starting this business. Absolutely. And can I just ask just for my own, um, lack of knowledge, what is the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian? Great question. So a nutritionist has no, um, 
like nothing to back up the terminology. Like you could take a nutrition class and call yourself a nutritionist. Like there's nothing that makes anybody a nutritionist. Um, it's just a word that the majority of people know and understand. Um, okay. so I, I'm a dietitian. So I was just going to say, I was like, oh my gosh, like, did I just like throw you under the bus? But no, you're a dietitian. I'm a dietitian. Yeah. So, and I'm a nutritionist. Food. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are. Yeah. Um, after this, everyone listening. Will yeah. Be <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so spooky that literally anybody that's so spooky to me. Yeah. Yeah. So it, there's just, it's just no regulation on that title. Um, you know, there's so many things though. There's like health practitioners and, you know, there are a lot of people that do go through different trainings and I'm not trying to say anything like about that. Like, I'm sure there are very like educated people who can call themselves nutritionists, but there's just yeah. nothing like backs up the name. Whereas it's like good um, and bad and everything, you know, there's like people right. that, and uh, yeah, I have like so many thoughts about like very rigid schooling and like that's not the only way to become educated but I for me I just wanted to know the difference so continue yeah I know yeah, what you're saying no, I know we're not putting anybody question. down <laughs> for sure and then um to become a registered dietitian the name now is registered dietitian nutritionist okay. so RDN um but you have to um get an undergrad degree in a nutrition, you know, topic. Mine was, um, food and nutrition sciences. They're actually now starting, I think 2023 requiring you to have a master's in addition. Um, and then you have to do an accredited internship program. It's called a dietetic internship. It's usually, I think 1200 hours of direct, like working in the field in different areas of dietetics. And then you have to sit for a board exam, pass that to get your license. And then every five years we need, um, you know, 75 continuing education credits. So we're continuously making it's sure that changing. we're keeping yeah, up that's with so important. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. The field of nutrition is like constant changes. And even in like the last few years, my mind has been, you know, in the way that I practice has been changed mm -hmm. just based on, you know, what keeping up with the new research and all of that. I think that's so powerful to be able to, I'm kind of like going through my own food transition journey right now. Uh -huh. Also our whole family is. And I think just having just the fact that you just said that, like, uh, like even in my field, I, there's continuing education that we have to do because everything is always changing, you know? And I think specifically in the prenatal population healthcare space, it's like, there's nothing progressing. Like when you go to your OB, it's like the same things that have been happening for a hundred years. And you're like, what do you mean? I can't get my blood pressure, my, my heart rate over this. What do you mean? I can't eat an egg. What do you mean? You know, like all these things. And you're like, and then you go to social media and it's literally like the wild, wild west. And there's just like do's and don'ts. And it's so scary. And you're like, okay, so what can I eat? Can I eat grass? Like, can I drink water anymore? Like what is safe? Um, so I just love that there's continuing education. And like, even the fact that you just like said, like your mind has been changed over the last couple of years and how you practice. And I think there's so much power in that, you know, like we're allowed to change our minds. We're allowed to change our practices and our teaching and our coaching as the information we have changes. And I think that that is just, instead of having like one set way forever, you know, you change with the information as it changes. 
So that's Absolutely. great. And I like how you said too, like the internet can be the wild, wild west. And it's true because you can get the extremes on both mm-hmm. ends. And the way that I kind of like live and practice is like, I take a very like realistic approach. Like that's why you're here. That's why I wanted to bring you like that. I was like, you are like, just like so normal and like, so digestible, literally and figuratively, like your information is digestible, literally and figuratively, because it is, it is sketchy out there. It's sketchy. It's scary. It's a scary place to be in, especially when you're pregnant especially for the first time, because you're in such a vulnerable place. You're Mm -hmm. so, you know, just the unknowns is terrifying. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I try to, you know, be more relatable and realistic for people on all spectrums. And I might not be everyone's cup of tea. There might be the extremes on either end and that's great, but that's just to me, not super realistic for, for everybody or for myself. I feel like if you're not somebody's cup of tea, you're doing something right. You know, like you've got to just, you can't be on the fence about like everything. You've got to like, you've got to have your own way of doing things. You just got to be real. You got to be you. And that's why I've been following you for a while. We've kind of like been, we've been like doing this dance for like a couple of years now. And it's just, I never had a place to like have this conversation. And and I just, I'm just so happy that you're here because I think you've got some really helpful information and um, we've got a lot of really good questions that I feel like are the ones that are like the most talked about, which can be the most um, anxiety inducing, you know, because they're all, everybody's like choosing the five top things to talk about. And it's like so extreme. So um, before we get into all of those, in your professional opinion, what are the top three mistakes that pregnant mamas are making in terms of their nutrition? And this can be, this can be anything. What are your top three? Okay. So one is, this is a big one is that thinking or stressing about the fact that you need to eat perfect every single day to be able to get the nutrition that you need. Um, the way that I like to tell people to look at it is it's really over what's the average over the course of a few days to a week, because mm-hmm. in pregnancy, you can feel different every single day. It's not realistic to Amen think to that. Oh my perfect. gosh. Yes. You're like, oh my gosh, I have so much energy. And then the next day it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I just hit a brick wall. What's happening? <laughs> exactly. And like, same with your appetite and what like sounds good to eat, or, you know, you might be nauseous one day, you might be mm-hmm. energized the next day. Like it's so unpredictable. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you don't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be like an everyday thing. So really just kind of like looking at your overall diet over the course of those few days to a week and, you know, kind of thinking of it in that terms instead of like a day to day. I love that. I feel like I, that's the same thing I tell my clients when it, in terms of like fitness, it's like consistency over time will always win. It's not about like what happened just today. Like if you didn't get your workout in, it's about, let's look at, let's look at the last week you know, like, did you get four workouts in? Did you move four times? Like, that's amazing. You know, it's consistency over time and not beating yourself up. You know, there's that nobody does it perfect. Nobody is perfect. But, and then I feel like it's the, you've got like two ends of the spectrum. Like you're hyper-focused on literally everything that you put in your mouth. And then the other end of it is like, I get to do whatever I want because I'm pregnant and eat for two, which can also be a very, they're like both kind of dangerous, you know, because exactly you're, you really, I mean, like no pressure, but like, the pressure of being a mom starts when you're pregnant because you are literally setting your child up for the rest of their life. There are like, there are studies on this, like what happens in utero, fitness, nutrition, stress, all of you are, you are building that human with all of those things in mind. So, um, I don't want to like 
you know, I want to take the fear out of like these myths and stuff, but also bring more like this is the perfect time to focus on your nutrition is when you're pregnant, not, not just like given to every single like craving, which I'm not even really sure like cravings are like a real thing. That might just be me, but I didn't really have like any crazy cravings with either of my pregnancies. And I feel like it's kind of just this I don't know. I feel weird about the cravings thing. Like, I don't know. Yeah. There, you know, there's some, um, thoughts that cravings could be actually a way of your body telling you that you have certain nutritional deficiencies, right? Which is really interesting. I don't Mm -hmm. know that it's actually proven in studies, but, um, it's kind of a theory like pickles is a big one. And that's like, okay, well, our, you know, sodium needs are higher and like you actually, and your iodine. Okay. See, I believe in that. I feel like that's more intuitive versus just like, I feel like McDonald's right now. Like your body's not telling you you want McDonald's. Like your body is not telling you that Um, (laughs) unless you're going through like sugar withdrawals, you know, like that's a real thing. So I think that, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it's the perfect time to focus on this information and really it's, it's just like the perfect time. They like, don't do it after, like, don't wait to do it after like right now. Yeah. So that's mistake number one. Most people would be motivated, you know, at a time like right. And that's why, you know, most of the clients I work with are like, okay, like, it's not just about me anymore. Like now I have a baby. So I want to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to, you know. And it actually makes a difference. I think that's the other thing. It's just the lack of um, education around this. It's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter until after, um, until after the baby's born. And like, that's when it matters what they're eating. But I think that having conversations like this, where it's like what you're doing right now really does matter. And you can have a profound impact on your baby's body and its ability to heal and its ability to respond to stress and all of these things, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that everything we just said, I'm, it's just like so important it's, and it is important right now. And I feel like that's why people don't do it or don't think about it. It's because they just don't know. And like you said, there's just right. such a lack of information in the healthcare system. And so that's, I think why moms go to social media because it's like, there's so much information and you can really find anything, you know, but it's like finding the right information. Right. And I think that makes it hard too. It's just like so much information that it's overwhelming. And then your OB doesn't really study nutrition. Yeah. So they don't know, you know, like there is a, there is a time and a place for an OB and pregnancy nutrition is not it. And you we know need what? to do more so than a prenatal. Exactly. <laughs> we need well, to do more than brings, a prenatal. <laughs> that brings me into another common myth because so many people tell me that their OB will just be like, uh, like just take a prenatal and eat healthy and you're good. And it's like, okay, well, that's like so vague. What does yes. that even mean? And also like this myth is really thinking that like your prenatal provides everything you need, which it doesn't. Um, you know, is that myth number two? That's myth is number that the two. Biggest? Yes. Okay. Prenatals are not the end all be all. They're not meant to provide, you know, your full nutrition. It's meant to supplement your diet and prenatals are not created equally like any vitamin. Um, they don't contain, you know, the same number of nutrients. They don't contain the same amount of nutrient, the same, um, form of the nutrient, the same quality. So are you um, going to tell us your favorite ones or? Are you going to tell yeah, us your I favorite? You, I, can, I, can, I can name drop. I can name drop. Can we, I think we can do whatever we want here. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So, um, there's a 
you know, two, like I um, am a brand partner and work with the Parallel Health team on their kind of like vitamin formulation. It's the first OBGYN um, created prenatal. So there's some very, um, you know, well-known, like highly studied um, OBGYNs who are a part of this board who helped create the vitamin, which is awesome. And it's trimester specific, which I believe is the only one on the market out there. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Conception. So wow. they have these little daily packets. Um, cause I know it can also be really overwhelming too. Like I know when I was pregnant, I took like multiple different bottles of ones to kind of like formulate together because I never found a vitamin that had everything I needed. So yeah. I was taking yeah. like eight to 10 pills a day. I'm like, oh this gosh. is crazy. Um, but again, if I was not in this field, I would have just grabbed one off the shelf. And I was just like, going to say like, you're either taking one or, you know, too much and you're taking 10, like exactly, exactly. So this company makes it so easy, depending on whatever stage of pregnancy or even postpartum that you're in, they have these daily, like sachet packets that you just take for the day. Um, it is five pills, at least during the pregnancy, um, postpartum is I think less, but, um, it's just really cool because it, it gives you what you need, especially in that different stage. Cause your needs change throughout pregnancy, depending on yeah. where you're at. So parallel health is, um, you know, one that I love, I think it's such a need. And then there's also another company called needed. Um, mm -hmm. I actually had the founder uh, on my Instagram years ago at this point when they first came out, like when they oh, were no so brand new. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. So they're um, also a great one. What I like about them is they have a protein powder, which is what they're, it's like a vitamin in a protein powder setting. So for a lot of people who are nauseous and oh, yeah. can't take prenatals, if they can just take their, the scoop of the protein, that's the vitamin as well. And they can mix that into a smoothie or whatever and get it in that way. So that can be like great, especially for, you know, the harder times. There's also um, Full Well and Seeking Health, which I like. They do have a lot of vitamins, but then they also um, don't have like certain vitamins in that vitamin pack. So then you need extra, like okay. um, they don't have iron, which not everybody needs iron as a supplement, but if you do, then that's adding extra pills. So those ones, it's just taking a lot and not everybody can do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I take ritual. What are your, okay. what are your, what are your thoughts? I take the postnatal right now. And I took, it was the only one that didn't make me feel nauseous on like an empty stomach. A lot of stomach. people say that about yeah. ritual. I was taking, like, I had to take a, a prenatal. I don't know. It was like one that my doctor actually like prescribed that I had to go like pick up because I wasn't taking one, you know, first pregnancy. I just, you know, I was just flying by the seat of my pants totally. and my OB was like, here, I'll just put a, put an order in for you. And I went and picked it up at Walmart and I was like, this is awful. And I want to throw up every time I take this with or without food or like whatever. And so I went to ritual and it was the only one that I could take. Cause I had tried other ones after that. Um, after that bought, I bought that one from the doctor mm -hmm. and oh my gosh, I like for me, I I'm like kind of all over the place. Like when I take my vitamins now, I'm much more regular in the morning. Um, but like before it was like, okay, can I do this? You know, before I've eaten anything or like whatever. And it was the only one that didn't make my stomach like really sick. And now I take the postnatal, but like Give me your thoughts. I I feel I feel like I see people talking a lot of shit on ritual on social media, but then I also like a lot of people love it. 
Right. Yeah. And I, I, you know, you're not the first person to have said that it's like the easiest for you to tolerate. I've heard that often. Yeah. Um, the thing about ritual is at least during pregnancy, I'm not as familiar with their postpartum one, but um, they, it only contains 12 um, vitamins. So it's not like the full spectrum. So, um, you know, again, it's kind of going to depend on like what your particular diet is like, again, your mm -hmm. supplement is meant to supplement. So right. sort of like an insurance policy. Some people feel more comfortable, like getting more of what they need in case they can't, you know, be eating, but yeah. it also depends on what you can tolerate too. I think another big thing to consider is like consistency. Like mm -hmm. if you can take that vitamin every single day and are consistent with it, that's going to be better than trying to take eight vitamins every right. day, but you only get it in once a week. And then mm -hmm. you're, you know, so it's like a total individual thing. And I feel like GC saying that takes the pressure off. Like you just took the pressure off of me like, oh shit. Like I'm not taking one of the, like the vitamins that she said, you know, and it's like, chiming in let's talk rituals more specific ritual pre and postnatal vitamins i've been taking ritual vitamins for over four years you guys know i have a code for you it's true love 20 to save you 20 percent off to try them out for yourself it was the only prenatal i could take on an empty stomach that didn't make me feel nauseous and it's the postnatal i've been taking since delivering my youngest why i love ritual is that they have traceable ingredients they're all non-gmo third-party tested vegan and nothing artificial their subscriptions are easy to start and easy to cancel and their team of scientists and nutritional experts are on a mission to turn your new healthy habit into a ritual. The shipping is always free. You can control your delivery date, cancel anytime, and there's a money back guarantee. I love ritual. I know you guys will too. Now let's get back to the show. Just thanks for being you because that, I mean, Aww. that's like what moms need, you know, that's just like what moms need. And, and I am taking more than just like the postnatal, because like you said, I know that it's not a full spectrum and their take on that is like, we we do what most people are like the highest deficiency in versus everything that you may not need um like my pee doesn't turn super yellow when I take it so it's like not a heavy amount but also like I use all of my supplement brands as supplements like bridging the gap between what exactly. I am getting and what I'm not getting I don't expect a pill to um out and I'll be all yeah what like I yeah like whatever I'm not eating or whatever I am eating like that's the thing is like and I think that's another thing to keep in mind is like, I think a lot of people, especially in the, well, I don't, I mean like not everybody, right. Because I think people that are in the wellness space or like want to be healthy. They're not always looking for a quick fix, but I feel like so much of the fitness industry is a quick fix. And it's like, you can't outwork a really bad diet. You can't out supplement a really bad diet. You know, it's so important what you put in your body and that's going to make the biggest impact. Like you said, over time, consistency over time versus, you know, having the highest quality and just like screwing up everything else outside of that, you know? So, well, thanks for sharing those. Okay. So that's, um, top two. Mm -hmm. That's our third one. Okay. So this is, um, where sometimes people do get direction from their physicians and it was in like the guidelines during pregnancy, but, um, focusing on eating a certain number of extra calories per day, depending on what trimester you're in. I don't know if you've like heard that, but it's like, okay, in the second trimester, you eat an yes. extra 250 calories a day. And I never recommend focusing on a certain number of calories per day. So I there was that. a study that had um, measured through indirect calorimetry on how many calories a pregnant person needed. And there was such a range that some women needed an extra 50 calories a day, and some women needed an extra 500 calories a day. And basically they took an average and then split it up between trimesters. And it's just 
such a specific goal for like every single mama is so different in their yeah. needs based on their, you know, resting. And they saw that in the study. They literally saw yes. that in the study and they then literally they're saw giving, the and then they're yes. giving like a, such a specific number to everybody. Like this doesn't make, make it, it make, sense. make sense. Make I know. And sense. so it's like, what if you're the person that needs 50 or 500, right. but you're yes. only seeing, you know, this. So I really focus with, you know, the women that I work with on balanced meals, really listening, like in being in tune with their bodies. Um, but also factoring in certain things. Like I really recommend not going more than like, you know, five hours without eating, especially during pregnancy. I mean, of course not including sleeping. Um, sometimes this isn't necessarily listening to your body, but if you know that you're not going to have access to food for six hours, cause you're going to be in a conference or you're, mm-hmm. you know, something, you know, eat before so that, that, you know, even if you're not feeling super hungry, but just to give your body that, you know, energy supply. Yeah. Um, so everything is like pretty situational, but I, I really, you know, tend to teach focusing on like listening, being in tune with, with what you need and not focusing on a specific number. So is this like eating until like you just feel full or like, how does one gauge? Because it, yeah, if we're not like focusing on calories, which I love, I've never counted calories. And I don't think that honestly creates more. It's like so toxic. I feel like for women, especially, um, especially during pregnancy too, it's like, how is a way that we can gauge what we need since our OB probably doesn't know that number for us if we're being honest. Yeah. So, um, you know, the one thing that I do focus on is protein. Um, I try to recommend like, you know, aiming for 25 to 30 grams of protein at a meal. Okay. Um, because our protein needs are higher during pregnancy and actually increase throughout the second half of pregnancy. So protein is a nutrient that is specifically like really important to be getting. And and a lot of times we are lacking protein in our diets just because Mm -hmm. it is so much higher during pregnancy than baseline. Yeah. Um, so also too, you, I don't know if you know the plate method, but ultimately you have like your, your plate of your food and a quarter of your plate should technically be your protein. A quarter of your plate should be your carb or your starch. And then half your plate should be non-starchy vegetables. Okay. Um, that's not super realistic for every single meal, but it's kind of like a gauge of you know, just a visual, like a quick, easy visual. Um, but you know, that's, that's one way, um, you know, other ways of like hunger, um, aside from like feeling the hunger pains or like hearing the growling is like, if you're having a tough time concentrating, um, if you, are like feeling a little bit like lightheaded or shaky. It could be like dips in your blood sugars telling mm-hmm. you that you need to eat. And so these are kind of also reasons like why I recommend not going like a super long time between meals, just because yeah. your body does need that fuel a little more like regularly when you have a human. Right. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Um, you know, a lot of time. Work and a lot of times people feel nauseous because they have not eaten. I know that was my big trigger mm-hmm. in pregnancy is like I would get nauseous or like get that like super starving feeling. Like I don't know, and it was just that like 
pain. Yeah. And I'm like, what is going on? Like I never had experienced that before. And so right. kind of always, even if like it's eating a little something every few hours and mm-hmm. having something in your stomach at all times can help, yeah. you know, some symptoms. Um, do we need, I guess that kind of like goes along with what you were just saying. Like, do we need to eat for two? Like what, break this down. Like, what is this? eating for two. I don't know <laughs> where this came from. I feel like who came up with this? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I feel like it's such like a, our grandparents or even like before them, you know, like, right. The, I don't know. They love to feed you. I don't know. Your grandparents. Yeah. Love to feed you. But, <laughs> yeah. um, it's actually in reality, more like eating for 1.2 when you break it all down. So it is, okay, not yeah. two. you don't need double the amount. Um, you know, your, your nutrient requirements are higher. And so in a sense, it's like, okay, you do need to be eating, you know, more, but it's not necessarily more volume. It's more nutrient density. How much protein should we be eating during pregnancy? Does this change by trimester? And what are your three favorite sources or maybe like three favorite protein pairings? Like what's a, what's a, perfect protein meal for pregnancy. Yeah. Great question. So, you know, everyone is really going to be different in terms of how much protein they need, because as much as I hate to like generalize by your body size or body weight, it kind of does come down to that because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's different calculations based on your pre-pregnancy weight, but as a general kind of rule of thumb, most of the time I see women need anywhere from like 80 to 120 grams of protein per day. Um, but your pregnancy needs do change throughout pregnancy. Um, they increase in the second half of your pregnancy as you're getting closer towards birth and, um, you know, then needing to recover. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of like to break it down and focus on that, like 25 to 30 grams of protein per meal, and maybe like 10 to 15 grams per snack. Okay. Um, just, it's a little more digestible for, um, yeah, no. Yeah. I think 80 grams of protein and like 80 to hundred, I'm like, oh my gosh, like that feels overwhelming. But when you break it up like that, it does make it more digestible. I keep saying that digestible is like one of my favorite ways to like describe really good, like information, but it like really applies here. That's great. I mean, that's the goal. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but so for example, like one of my favorite pregnancy proteins is going to be salmon. I think if everybody could eat salmon times a week, they are good on so many different levels. It's so nutrient dense. It has your omega-3 fats, um, for brain development. It has iodine. It, I mean, it has like a whole slew of nutrients that are like so important. So, um, if you could eat salmon, I would say about like six ounces, um, is kind of a lot, but is like a great portion size, um, for, and like how many times a week? Because I feel like we're scared of fish. Are we scared of fish? Okay. Okay. So, um, great question. (laughs) So ideally we want to focus on low mercury fish as often as possible, um, in pregnancy, obviously, because mercury can be, you know, toxic to, um, a baby's brain. Um, at the same time, their fish has a high content of selenium, which actually kind of like, can't, it like protects the brain from mercury. So why um, aren't we told this information? Exactly. Um, uh. but salmon's a low mercury fish. And if you eat this two to three times a week, you're golden in terms of the omega-3 content, um, that is required for pregnancy. You've literally just blown my mind. This, that, that might be like 
the bit that I pull for this podcast. I feel like we're so scared of fish and like, they don't tell us that. Like, why? Like you would rather have us eating fake, fake meat or fruit loops at the top of the pyramid at the food pyramid. Now, like literally that new food pyramid makes me want to fall out of my chair and knock myself out. But thank you for, for telling us that I, we just started adding in fish last July. Cause I was vegan for five years and I just felt, and I can't even really explain it, but like, I just felt like intuitively, like we need to start eating seafood again. And my husband's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. I feel like we just need to do it. And so we did, it was really hard for me mentally and emotionally because I've been vegan for so long. And I was like, it's like this whole food is so weird. Food is like so deeply emotional. Um, but like, we've been eating a lot of fish, you know, and it's like, he's like, but the mercury and because of this, and, um, it's just like, so, I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. And so like a lot of health professionals are like, okay, but like the, um, benefits fully outweigh the risk because, you know, at least like salmon and this and fish are so high in omega-3 acids, which are so protective for your body, anti-inflammatory brain development, especially for in utero and children Mm -hmm. under the age of two, when their brains are growing so quickly and rapidly. Um, and so with, especially if you are focusing on low mercury fish, like the benefit, like I, I, yeah. I feel like there's such more sketchy food out there. Like literally anything in a bag or anything in a box at the grocery store is more sketchy than a fish, like a wild caught salmon that has Mm -hmm. potentially mercury. Like, I feel like there's so many other things that people are ingesting or spraying into the air or cleaning their house with that is more harmful than eating a salmon, in my opinion, in my nutritionist opinion, (laughs) which carries no weight, but I, you know, you know, nobody knows, nobody knows it. Yeah. Um, okay. So salmon is great. Two more sources to your, to your top faves. My other top favorites. Well, eggs are like also in my, we just started adding in eggs too. Yay. Okay. Great. Eggs are amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Eggs are amazing. Um, you know, and Ideally, if you can focus on like pasture raised, there is going to be more nutritional component um, just because the chickens or the hens have more like sun exposure. So there's actually going to be more um, like vitamin D in the egg yolk, which is just like so fascinating. Um, So eggs are great. Um, Just for reference, about two eggs provide about 14 grams of protein. So often I would have guessed so much more. I would have guessed so much more. I know. Um, if you think of like, um, chicken or beef about three ounces of meat, you can also kind of figure is about the size of your palm, not including your fingers is going to be about like 24 to 27 grams of protein for three ounces. So different, you know, foods are going to have like different. Yeah. You know, and and all of that. But, um, yeah, so salmon eggs, and then like your meat, chicken, turkey, like those are going to be like your most, um, protein rich sources, but then I love sources like lentils and beans. They provide excellent nutrition. You're just going to need a lot more of them to get Mm -hmm. more of that protein, but they have, you know, other important nutrients, fiber and carbs. And what about nuts? Are nuts good? Yeah. So I would consider nuts more of a fat than a protein. They're excellent. Um, highly, highly recommend, especially a variety of nuts because 
your different um, nuts and seeds are going to contain different levels of the nutrients, um, but they're not a super significant protein amount. Like they're going to okay. be more of a fat, but um, they do have some protein. Okay. Whole foods, even like bread, you know, like we don't yeah, have yeah. bread. There's such good things about, about all foods. So um, back to the eggs real quick, because this was a question that was asked. Can we have eggs over easy during pregnancy? Okay. So really great, great question. Um, eggs, undercooked eggs are one of those like fear foods mm -hmm. um, because of the chance that they could contain salmonella, mm -hmm. um, a foodborne illness. Um, the risk or sorry, the chances that eating an undercooked egg, um, will give you salmonella is very low, especially if you're buying like, you know, good quality eggs. Mm -hmm. Um, but if on the other hand, if the only way that you're going to eat eggs is if they're, you know, over medium or over easy or a little bit runny, I, again, the benefit versus the risk, like you it's more beneficial to probably eat the egg yeah. than to avoid it altogether if that's the only way you're going to eat it. Again, mm -hmm. it's also very personal. Some women are very like, I don't want, like, I just feel safer if I take all the precautions and don't right. like any risk. And that is totally fine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just everybody's a little bit different. And then other people are like, okay, like, well, if the chances are so low, right. um, then, you know, I think at one point, like it's, it's not ethical really to do many studies on women during pregnancy, right? Because yeah. like, you don't want to put your baby at risk. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why there's just not like a ton of research on these specific things and like anything during pregnancy. It's just like so hard to find research on anything with pregnant moms that uh, it's like these type of topics where it's like do's and don'ts You're like okay but like if I if it's a don't like is it really a don't like with so many herbs and essential oils and like all these things that have been done for thousands of years and you're like was well, there like what are like if this has been you know it's just like the western versus like Chinese medicine or anything like that it's like there's just not a lot of research because it's not money either like you're not going to make money off of these types of things and so it's hard it's hard to like figure out like what, what risks are you willing to take? Like, you I know. know, and it's such a gray area. You kind of just have to look at like, okay, like, you know, what have been the total number of, you know, outbreaks from, you know, eggs specifically or salmonella, right. you know, in the last year. Okay. It's like one in 1600 or whatever. It's like, okay, like that's a pretty low risk. And, you mm -hmm. know, when it comes down to the whole population, granted, I say risk, the chances, the risk, yes, could be high if you were to happen to get salmonella because it puts your baby's life at risk. So yeah. it's like the chances are low, the risks, you know, are kind of high, but it depends on, you know, what each person individually feels comfortable with. I say with like a lot of these, um, pregnancy don'ts, there's usually a like, but after, yeah. mm -hmm. but it, you know, like, Right. Same with like, you know, the sushis, the deli meats, there's kind of always, you know, all these workarounds as well. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was one of the questions too. It's just a lot of like, people just want to know like what they're doing is safe. I, we have the question on deli meat, sushi, green tea, coffee. Like these are the questions that people want to know. Cause it's just so difficult to find good information on it. 
Yeah. And unfortunately, like, I wish I could just say like a direct yes or no. And I know that's Mm -hmm. what everybody wants, but for most of these questions, it's like, it depends. It depends what type of person you are. If you Mm -hmm. prefer to just do everything, like don't even take any risk. Mm -hmm. Or if you're like, uh, you know, like if you're a little bit more lenient and like either yeah. way is fine. Um, but so with deli meat, you like 99%, um, reduce the chance of foodborne illness if you heat it. So if it's heated to at least 165 degrees, or if you're out and you order it to quote unquote steaming hot, okay, it's like literally steaming, then that reduces the, the chance of getting a foodborne illness. Um, again, most people don't want it hot you want it cold or, you know, you yeah. want that like deli meat turkey. Um, if that's the case, again, the chances are going to be low, especially if you're eating it like fresh, don't keep it in the fridge for a week and then decide to eat it. Um, you know, but totally up to you. Um, so I love that we have a best practice with the deli meat, heating it up. And then, I mean, what do we do about sushi? Just like nothing raw, right? So again, it's a question mark. Um, if you go to sushi, you can definitely get any cooked, you know, cooked roll. Um, you could do, you know, cooked shrimp, of course. Shrimp is a great food for pregnancy. Um, raw fish, a lot of people crave raw fish in pregnancy because it's so nutrient dense. And again, like when we were talking about the like deficiencies and cravings, like right. that can kind of be because your body like needs this quick source of nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, so most sushi places do use flash frozen fish. And when it's flash frozen, you have like, a, again, like a 99% chance that it doesn't have parasites, but not necessarily bacteria. There's still potentially that risk for foodborne illness. Um, but again, if you like really trust that you, the sushi place you're going to, you know, it's quality fish, it's fresh that's kind of, you know, a personal decision, I would still recommend aiming for like the lower mercury fish. Um, Okay. And what are the lower mercury fish? Salmon? Yeah. So that's going to be like salmon. Um, It will be shrimp, um, trout, um, herring, and then with tuna, um, Mm -hmm. the majority of the tunas are going to like be kind of moderate. Okay. Um, this is not sushi related, but if you do like tuna salad or get like any, you know, canned tuna or whatever, um, you want to look for skipjack or the tuna light, okay. um, because those are going to be lower in mercury than like albacore. Interesting. Okay. Super helpful. Um, and then in terms of tea, coffee, caffeine, what are best practices then? Because I know like I drink coffee during my pregnancies. I just didn't go crazy. You know, I just like a coffee. Yeah. So the current guidelines are keeping caffeine intake to under 200 milligrams a day. And so that's about 16 ounces of like drip coffee. Okay. Uh, What about for an espresso? I have no idea, but like, that's what I do. Espressos. Um, I would have to look a shot, two shots probably about two shots. I think one shot of espresso is maybe like 75 milligrams of caffeine. Okay. That's still doable. So yeah. Yeah. And then teas are going to be even lower than that, like typically under 50 milligrams. And then of course there's decaf, um, you know, yeah. which are going to have a slight amount of caffeine, but pretty minimal. Do you have any tips or 
best practices on nutrition with gestational diabetes? Yeah. So, um, the biggest thing is balancing your meals and snacks. Like anytime you eat any food with carbohydrate, even if it's fruit, pair it with a protein and or a fat. Mm -hmm. Um, this will help with your blood sugar, like control regulation. Um, the it's, it's going to be so person dependent to, um, um, you know, really understand like how much of, you know, carbs it, you are able to tolerate best mm-hmm. and the different carbs, like, you know, some people are fine tolerating like rice and their blood sugars can stay controlled. And then others, it like spikes them and they have a harder time coming back down. Um, but food pairing is going to be a big one. And then, um, a lot of times you need like, to control your morning blood sugars, you actually need to have like a bedtime snack. So that's tends to be a new practice for a lot of people. They're not like Mm -hmm. used to eating after dinner or before bed, Um, but that might, it's pretty common that, um, women with gestational diabetes will, will need to start eating a bedtime snack to help with that morning blood sugar. Can you just give us like, maybe like two examples of what a food pairing would look like? So if I'm eating a piece of toast, what needs to go with a piece of toast? Or if I'm eating an apple, what do I need to go with an apple? Yes. So a perfect breakfast would literally be like avocado toast with an an egg. So you have your egg is protein, your Uh avocado is your fat, and your toast is your carb. Well, that's like extremely easy. Yeah, that's so easy. Exactly. And then if you're having an apple, I would say pair that maybe with like cottage cheese or um, a string cheese, or if you're eating cheese, or you can have nuts with it, or, um, a favorite pregnancy snack of mine was like, not for you, but like those chomps beef sticks. Oh yeah. Um, just because they're easy to pack in like a, a diaper bag, have it on right. the go, like an easy protein to add with a fruit that you could just like take on the go. If you are a busy mom and you know, need something quick to grab. Perfect. Um, and then Let's go to what is something you wish more pregnant mamas knew about their nutrition? Yeah. So really, that's like a hard question. So yeah, but, um, one thing that I wish more people realized or maybe wanted to realize is the fact that you can feel good throughout pregnancy. Like you don't have to live with symptoms or, you know, feel a certain way just because it's common. And I feel like it's so normal for everyone to think pregnancy is just like a time that you feel shitty, like obviously for the best reason possible, but it really like, doesn't have to be that way. Like you can have energy. You don't have to like feel nauseous. I know that some people because of their symptoms end up then like spiraling and feeling so bad because they can't be getting in the nutrition that they thought they were going to, or wanted to just because they feel so bad or like can't tolerate it. Um, and of course, like there's definitely time and place for medications and like, not all of it can be controlled, but with certain strategies, certain ways of eating, certain Mm -hmm. ways of being proactive can actually help you feel so much better so that you like, don't have to just like go these nine plus months, like feeling like crap. Right. It's like, it's, yeah, it's so, um, frustrating, I'm sure. But like, just knowing that there's people out there that can help you versus like, you just end up feeling shitty for nine months and just like throwing in the towel. Like there's nothing I can do when in reality, a lot of the time eating a certain way and, you know, having 
resources, right? I feel like that's not, they're not really like handed or given to moms when they become pregnant or even postpartum, they just like don't know where to start, you know, and that information is not just readily available at the OB's office, um, but just conversations like this, knowing that they are, there is tools and there are people that want to help. And um, yeah, you just don't have to like throw in the towel just because you feel nauseous. Like there's probably something you could be doing with your nutrition to better support fluctuations and nausea and, you know, feeling certain ways with different symptoms. So that's super helpful. Um, I would like to switch to more of like postnatal. You work with postnatal mamas also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you find, and if you do help us uh, make the connection between postnatal depletion and postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, how much does our nutrition play into how we are feeling in a mental and emotional state? Yeah. So, I mean, even in the research, there's a strong connection between nutrition and mood and brain and, you know, mental disorders. And especially mm -hmm. with, um, you know, the perinatal period leading into postpartum, um, like so many nutrients are involved in that connection. So like your B vitamins, folate, magnesium, calcium, iron, zinc, I mean, zinc in itself has been used as an antidepressant um, omega-3 fat. So specifically, you know, during pregnancy, our omega-3 requirements are higher and plays a really big role in, um, postpartum, you know, depression link. And so, mm -hmm. um, that's also something that women are often lacking in their diets and yeah. some might not even be getting the appropriate supplementation depending on whether or not it's in your prenatal or if you right. know to take it. Um, and so also too, your brain has the highest concentration of fat. It's like 50 to 60% made up of fat. And so having these healthy fats, um, from omega threes, but also just from your diet, nuts, seeds, fish, um, you know, play a really big role, not just for, you know, your own nutrition, but for postpartum. And so, right. so literally your nutrition can help combat postnatal anxiety and depression and help improve mood has the potential yeah. too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's and incredible. again, I, we don't know that there's necessarily cause and effect, but we know that there's a huge connection and link to, um, right. you know, nutrition. And I just feel like the more, you know, right. Like the more things that you can do to positively impact and support yourself, like why not, you know, mm -hmm. um, I feel like so many moms go through that. I mean, I, and I feel like it wouldn't be normal if you didn't go through a shift once you're postpartum, because it's like, it's a huge shift. Your hormones are going all over the place, new baby, like all these things, like it's going to be a, a ride no matter what. But yeah, I feel like having this type of information to literally support your brain, like it's not just about your physical, it can be a very emotional and mental way to support yourself as well. That's just really helpful to know. Um, so do, would you say like, uh, you'd still need the same like prenatal or a postnatal vitamin and needs to like change? Um, so it doesn't necessarily need to change. You can continue to stay on your prenatal. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it also is going to depend on if you're breastfeeding too, when you're breastfeeding, a lot of the nutrients are actually even higher for, for you when you're breastfeeding yeah. than when you're pregnant. Um, so, you know, I guess it would it would kind of depend on, you know, your situation, situation but yeah. yeah. Okay. And then one thing that I missed, um, can you tell us the difference and the importance 
between folic acid and folate? Yeah. So, so folate is vitamin B9 and folic acid is basically like the synthetic version of that. And, um, originally folic acid was, kind of created to help, um, um, to be added into foods because there was so much, um, baby or there were so many babies born with, um, the like neural, neural tube defects. Uh And so they, you know, created folic acid to add into cereals and oatmeals and things like that way to make sure that pregnant women were getting enough of it in their diets to help with this neural tube formation. Um, but the issue is, is now more than ever, so many, um, people in general, but pregnant women have this MTHFR genetic mutation where you can't, um, break down the folic acid into the usable form. And so folate or methylfolate is what you would see a lot in like the prenatal vitamins is, um, basically the natural form of vitamin B9. And it basically is just like the, the usable form for your body. Like your body doesn't have to then break down folic acid into the folate to, um, you know, in kind of like easy to understand terms. Yeah. Um, so we so want methylfolate. You want methylfolate. I never okay. recommend folic acid anymore. A lot of the like OBGYNs and healthcare providers are still saying folic acid, because again, there's not like the research right now that like, Mm -hmm. is saying yes, you know, folate is, you know, doing the same, but at the same time, the, um, like the numbers of neural tube defects are still as low as ever. And we're getting Mm -hmm. away from folic acid. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So that's helpful. Cause that was one of the questions. I just missed that. Um, Okay. I feel like there are so many golden nuggets in this episode. There's so much helpful information. Um, I have two questions that I ask every guest that comes on. Okay. And the first one is what is the piece of advice you would give to yourself as a first time mom from you today? So the mom you are today, what would you tell yourself back when you were a first time mom? One piece of advice. Well, one thing is, you know, never say never. There were totally yes. times <laughs> where I was like, oh my gosh, when I'm a mom, like I'm never going to do that. And of course, like now that is totally what I, um, what I do. Aren't um, we the perfect parents before we have kids? <laughs> oh, exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, but the other thing too, and for better, or for worse, like realizing that everything is just a phase. Um, it, you know, the hard in the hard times, you know, you realize like, okay, like this too will pass. And looking back, I remember like the newborn phase, but you know, was so hard and, mm-hmm. you know, there was like the witching hours and the no sleeping. And then I look back and I was like, oh, okay, like that lasted about two weeks. But when you're living in it, it feels like a lifetime and it feels mm-hmm. like you're never going to like see the light or, you know, at the end yeah. of the one. So, um, you know, everything, everything is truly just a phase. You don't know how many moms I have on this podcast that literally say that. And I feel like that is just perspective is just such a gift. You're it, like, once you get out of it, you can look back on that and be like, Oh, it was such a short period. You don't even, and I feel like I, for me anyways, I feel like there's so many things that are painted in such a negative way 
like the witching hour. Like that sounds terrible, you know, but it's like, gosh, I don't want to like the four month regression, you know, like the sleep regression when, when really your baby is developing and they're going through this mental leap, which is incredible and things that you want, you know, and it's like, that's hard on a little tiny baby that's never been in the world before, but it's like the four month sleep regression and the witching hour and like all these like negative things that just like feed into the stress yeah of like that it is and but and instead of you know and when you're in it it's like when you're in the thick of it it's hard and I you know I have that now with my four-year-old you know and even like with dad being away for work right now it's like she's feeling that stresses and she's acting out the way that a form a four-year-old does and right now it feels like this has been the longest two weeks of my life you know but it's like I'll be able to look back on this and be like I got to spend two weeks with my girls just me and them you know and it's like being able to just like have that perspective um but yeah I love that but it's it's hard it is hard um and then as a mom now what is your mantra to get you through like those hard phases or seasons and a mantra is just like a mantra but mom style yeah so I guess I don't know well okay I mean this isn't my own words because I took this from some someone I can't remember if it was like Dr. Becky or, um, yeah, I, I don't her. know, mom psychologist, because, you know, of course I need all of them on a daily basis, but, sure do. <laughs> um, you know, when there's meltdowns and it's chaos, and I'm sure you can relate to this right now too, but I take a step back and really remember that it's because they're having a hard time, not because they're trying to give me a hard time and that different perspective Oof. just really like helps me have more patience and, you know, I don't know, just like be more the mom that I want to be when I realize that instead of just like thinking they're out to get me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That like, way. We were meant to have this conversation today because that has been like the topic of my last two weeks. It's like, oh my gosh, like I've been like really into like journaling and stuff and like writing down like in the present tense, like I am a patient mom. I'm a patient mom. And like trying to de-escalate situations, like being the calm in the room versus like being another source of dysregulation yeah and it's it is it's tough you know being a mom is like so rewarding it is the best job in the whole world it is also the most challenging thing I've ever done in my entire life and I feel like you know we have our things that we talk about on social media and I feel like um it I I don't know I always get the messages like oh my gosh it's so nice to see that your kids also freak out and that you're having a hard time too I'm like is it so nice for you to see that I'm having a hard time because like we all are going through those things. Like we're all moms, you know, we're all just because we talk about postpartum healing or nutrition. It's like, we still have all these other facets, you know? And like, I might be really good at like the postpartum fitness part, but like the nutrition, I need help, you know, like with the psychology and the mental and the parenting, like those are all things that like, it's a balance, you know, it's like, it's like a juggling act. And it's like, you, you gotta let some balls drop. And like, it just, we all, hang on to the things that are like the most important. And I feel like we all have places that we can improve and it's, it's just challenging. It's like, it's so challenging, but it's, you know, we're doing like the most important job in the world, in my opinion. Oh yeah. Being moms. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing that because I feel like a lot of moms will really resonate with that. And I, I specifically do right now. So it was really nice to hear, but yeah, it's, they're not trying to give us a hard time. They're just, they're having a hard time. And that kind of shifts. It It makes it a little bit easier to be more gentle and to, to have more patience because you know, your four-year-old's not out to ruin your life, which it can feel like sometimes. Even like the two-year-old. Yeah. Like, I mean, my, 
I was going through a phase that the two-year-old would literally have a crown. Like she's such like a, she's such a great kid. Like, it's so funny. I don't know if like your two have, might have polar opposite personalities, um, uh-huh. but it's like cool <laughs> the two girls and just like how different they are. Um, but she's been a pretty easy kid to raise versus my four-year-old, but yeah. the two-year-old would have these hour-long cry fests um, mm-hmm. every day because she like couldn't get her shirt on the right way. Cause she likes to dress herself. And it was yes. just like a freak out. And it's like, okay, like, I know this isn't about the shirt, you know, but right. yeah, so, but it's hard to listen to. And as a mom, yeah. you want to like shut it down, but you know, you can't like, you have to let them write it out and <laughs> then you need to be there to like support them through it. And it's like, yeah. it's so exhausting. It's just like, it's mental, it's emotional, like, you know, on us. Why are these when... dang kids so triggering? for me like so triggering and it's like why like where does that come from it's not them you know it's like actually not them it's also like made this uh like shift towards like working the inner inner child you know like why am I freaking out that my kid's freaking out like I don't know well what I think it was because like (laughs) we were like and when our generation was being raised like it got shut down. Like, yeah. you know, like you couldn't totally. put a tantrum in public because God mm-hmm. forbid, you know, and right. now I feel like we're like, we let it happen because yeah. like, they need to release. I definitely so, have been the different. mom. I, I have to just say like this one, this, we were at a coffee shop and my four-year-old was literally losing her marbles. And we ended up outside of the coffee shop and there was this huge planter. I mean, it was like taller than me and she's wedged in between the planter and the the glass of this coffee shop. My husband's inside with my little one and they're just watching and she is shrieking. Like I am kidnapping her and I'm just, and I'm sitting on the floor and I'm just like, we are going to get through this together. And I'm here when you are ready. But it was like, you know, you'd never see that back in the day. It was like, we need to go home. Like you get your butt in the car right now. Like we're going home, you know? And now it's, it's like, you know, changing. We, we have new information now. And I think that our generation is doing a lot to kind of break those cycles and unwind a lot of the things that, um, you know, were parented in us and not to like nothing wrong with that. They're doing the best they could with the information that they had, but, um, yeah, but it does add a whole other stress layer on us because now we have to work through like our, our own shit, and yeah. our own shit. exactly. Seriously. And trying to figure out how to not fuck up our kids for their right. because we don't want them all in therapy. Like we all need to be, you know? Right. So, I'm like, like, if you go to therapy, I don't want mom to be the center of your conversation. You know, <laughs> yeah. I do not want to be that, which I know I've got some unwinding too. I've got no problem saying I'm sorry because the, I, you yeah. know, I'm not oh, perfect, um, yeah. but I feel like yeah, we're doing our part. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for having this conversation and kind of going nutrition and parenting and motherhood and all the things. It. it was really, really nice talking to you. And I feel like this is going to be a really popular episode because you've got so many nuggets of information that are just so helpful. And we're just like dispelling all the myths and, and just taking the pressure off of, of, nutrition during pregnancy and just giving you the real the real deal and where can where can people find you and what are you currently offering and just pimp yourself out here for a sec (laughs) so I um you can find me on instagram at pregnancy underscore nutritionist and um I am currently working on creating a course for um, how to manage your symptoms and, um, 
you know, get through pregnancy like a mother, the mother that you are. Um, yeah. Feel good. Um, and again, just kind of like easy to digest information on how to navigate certain symptoms as you come up. Um, I've lately been um, focusing now working with clients one-on-one in my bump, bump method is a signature program, which um, kind of like along the lines of what we had talked about a little bit, but which helps women kind of ditch guilt and obsession around food to bring more balance, um, dissect and redirect current habits that could be contributing towards their obsession with food, um, to make confident choices that serve them rather than distract. And so, um, yeah, I love that. That's incredible. Um, I will be adding all of your info to the show notes. Is your course currently is it available for purchase or when will that launch? Um, I'm working on it now again, like I've had recently taken like a step back from like client work because of my kids, like I'm like full stay at home mom mode. Um, and so I was like, I feel like I need to put a little more attention to like being the mom that I want to be. So I am working on that course now. I'm hoping it'll launch in the spring. Um, but in the meantime, you know, I'm available in DMS or to chat. I also do occasionally work with clients one-on-one, um, just, you know, depending on what their needs are. So that's for right now and stay tuned for the symptom course. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure. And I loved chatting with you and we're, I know we're probably going to do something together in the future. I can feel it in my bones. (laughs) (laughs) So great to be here. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Stephanie all about pregnancy nutrition. Be sure to rate and review the podcast if you enjoyed listening. Be sure to subscribe and send to a mama friend. If you decide to share on social media, make sure you tag me so I can see it. I love seeing all of your feedback. That's what keeps this show going. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you so soon.